so LCA is really useful for decision making. Um, it provides robust data of environmental impacts of a product or service that can then be incorporated with other metrics um, like cost or customer requirements. So it really helps to give a full picture. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. This podcast is about life cycle assessment, current challenges, and its importance for buildings and construction industry. Our guest speaker today is Emily Townsend, a sustainability engineer from New Zealand Life Cycle Association. What is uh, life cycle analysis? So uh, commonly called life cycle assessment. Um, life cycle analysis is also used, but life cycle assessment gives you the, the full picture. Uh, it's used to quantify the environmental impacts of a product or a service through all the stages of its life. So that's from the acquisition and the processing of input materials uh, through the use of a product or a service, uh, and then what happens to it when it reaches the end of its useful life. So how it's either disposed of or recycled. Um, typically addresses a number of types of impacts. Um, climate change is obviously a common one that most people think of as carbon footprint. Um, and there's other things like nutrient enrichment of waterways, acid rain, uh, formation of smog, use of resources like water and energy. So it covers all of those. Uh, life cycle assessment is a cradle to grade. How does this differ from cradle to cradle or circular economy? Yeah, so cradle to grave is, is a term I think we're all familiar with. Um, it isn't actually anywhere in the standards for life cycle assessment. Um, the, the recently developed carbon footprinting standard actually deliberately avoided using the words cradle to grave because it does have or cradle to gate or cradle to anything um, because it does have that that context of being uh, grave and therefore disposal. Um, so what life cycle looks at is the full life cycle so that the end of it might end in disposal being the grave um, but preferably it does involve reuse or recycling and the great thing about LCA is it allows us to understand that. Um, it's, it's quite complementary to both cradle to cradle and circular economy. Um, I think cradle to cradle offers a really positive vision of the future uh, where everything's designed to be beneficial to humans and the environment and the idea isn't so much reducing negative impacts as increasing positive impacts. It's just a slight reframe. Um, it looks at a wide variety of issues like material reutilization, um, toxicity, but also things like social fairness. So it goes wider than just the environment. Um, and the outcome of cradle to cradle is a, it's a ranking. So it's you achieve a bronze, silver, gold, uh, which means that it gives a really clear indication to a customer of, yes, it's good, tick, but it doesn't give them any data. Uh, so LCA can work really well with Cradle to Cradle because it can back it up by providing that data that's then available to, to an audience um, and also quantify what the positive impacts are. Yeah. And then for circular economy, um, that provides 
again, a strategic framework um, looking at closed loop material flows. So it keeps products and materials in use, designs out waste and pollution. Um, and again, LCA is quite complementary because circular economy doesn't have that many measures. So LCA can help to provide the, the evidence and the data and also support decision making towards circular economy goals. Um, and in fact, LCANs will be launching a white paper on the relationship of circular economy to LCA uh, later in June. So we look forward to sharing that. In the built environment, um, there has been a lot of focus on embodied carbon. How does these relate to LCA? Yeah, so Embodied carbon addresses the carbon emissions from the production of building materials. So everything upstream of the building when it's in use. Um, as the name suggests, embodied carbon only addresses the, the climate change impacts of a product, um, but it does include all of the greenhouse gases. It's not just carbon dioxide, um, but they're reported as carbon dioxide equivalents. So carbon is the common term. Um, the built environment is actually where the cradle to gate concept does get used because it means that construction material manufacturers can provide information on their embodied impacts to specifiers and designers, which then means they can incorporate those at a building level and then assess the use phase impacts for the building rather than trying to understand them separately for, for each material. So it's often used in that context. How is the life cycle assessment used to determine carbon footprint? Yeah, so carbon footprint is, it's just one of the indicators that can be assessed in a life cycle assessment. Um, in LCA, it's normally called global warming potential. So the potential of it to, to have an impact um, on climate change. Some, some life cycle assessments actually focus entirely on carbon footprint. Um, because that's, I think, one of the things that everybody's conscious of, um, and, it, and it's so important. So, um, so some, some just focus on a single indicator. And I think, I can't remember seeing an LCA that doesn't include climate change because of its importance. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of embedded. Um, and it, in terms of what it is, it's, it's the sum of climate change impacts over its full life cycle. So. For some products, including building products, um, most of those impacts can be found in the production stage. For others, like electronic devices, it might be that the majority of impacts are actually from electricity consumed during that use stage. How is uh, the functional unit determined? So a functional unit provides a way to compare products that fulfill the same function. Um, so for example, if, if we think about steel, um, we, we can't compare one ton of steel with another ton of steel, especially if, for instance, one is structural and the other one is cladding, because they're not comparable. They don't, they don't do the same function. So the functional unit means that we can define what it is that we're measuring and then potentially create something that is comparable to something else. With cladding as an example, we might say the functional unit would be one square meter of cladding. Um, and that would then potentially allow us to compare, for instance, corrugated steel against weatherboard. Uh, it's not quite that simple, though, because we also need to think about how long each product lasts. 
and what impacts are required during the use phase. So for example, do you need to repaint or clean and how often does that need to happen? Do you need to replace it? And that might be different. So then you might have a functional unit of, for instance, one square meter of cladding installed and maintained on a building for 20 years, for example. So it, it can get quite specific and that, that gives that. Um, so in terms of how, to, how it's determined, um, that would be done by an LCA practitioner, but it would depend on what it is that they're trying to assess. Um, for a building or a building products, we do quite commonly use a declared unit. Um, it's slightly different to a functional unit because it can be just that upfront production stage and it doesn't need to take the full life cycle and the length of time into consideration. Um, and the reason for that is that the, I guess how products act during their life depends on the way that they're used in a building. Um, so in that case, it's quite possible to have a declared unit of a ton of steel or a cubic meter of concrete as examples. Yeah. How long does a full life cycle assessment take? This is definitely one of those it depends questions. Um, if I had to give an average, I'd say about six months. Um, we have completed full LCAs in about three months. Um, in that instance, though, the, uh, the client had all of the data in the perfect format, ready to go at the start of the project. Um, and really, data collection is the thing that, that often affects the timeline. So um, getting it in the right format and the right granularity can take a little while. So it could easily be more like nine to 12 months, depending on, on where we are at the start of the project. Uh, what standards are used? So LCA is based on internationally recognized standards. Uh, ISO 14040 provides principles and framework and ISO 14044 sets out the requirements and the guidance. Um, there's an international standard for carbon footprinting, which I touched on earlier. That's ISO 14067. That should be used where carbon footprint is an important indicator in an LCA um, or for single indicator studies that just focus on carbon footprint and especially where products include biogenic carbon because it has quite specific requirements on, on how they're managed um, and obviously it's a more recent standard. Um, I think a lot of carbon footprinting studies still use PAS 2050 which is a UK specific standard and was I guess the precursor to 14067. Um, there's also a series of standards that are used for making environmental product declarations. So they're not required just for an LCA, but will probably be of interest to anyone in the built environment. Yeah. Um, so ISO 14025 provides the international guidance and the principles for developing an EPD, um, but it's incredibly generic. So in order to narrow down, what's actually required then is a product category rule, which says for a given category of products, what rules need to be followed so that, again, we can get that comparability. Um, for building products, there's an underlying product category rule, which is 15804. Um, and there's also an international standard for it, which is ISO 21930. Um, your audience are going to hate me for throwing numbers out there. Um, 15804 is the current PCR that's used for all building products under EPD Australasia, which is whom most um, EPDs in New Zealand would be registered with um, and it's also the one used for the international EPD system yeah. and then there can be sub PCRs for more specific um, types of product but we'll leave yeah. it there. Yeah. 
Uh, is there a rapid um, low cycle assessment method? Um, yes and no. So I think as with many things, you get out what you put in. Um, uh, I guess the, a rapid method might be a screening LCA, and that can be really useful as a first step to identify possible hotspots um, to be used at a design stage before you actually have the data to sort of think about maybe um, the impact of different types of input materials. So really upfront when you're when you're in that design. Um, and there are there are applications for for quick LCAs, um, like for packaging, for instance, if you want to compare packaging types, um, and also for buildings. So there's a couple of example tools that are available, um, especially in, in this region. LCA Quick, which is provided by brands, um, and also eTool, and they're both free systems that allow users to develop a rapid LCA for a building. Um, they're they're limited in the sense that you you can't input your own data. So you're, you're able to do quick comparisons and understandings, but it doesn't give you really detailed granular data for a specific case. Um, so useful at the planning stage to maybe assess different building type options. Um, but if you want an accurate assessment, you, you kind of need to go into that more granular step um, and do a, a detailed specific LCA. Um, and likewise for, for building material suppliers, um, they'd probably want to be more specific, so we definitely recommend a um, yeah. full LCA. Great. How can um, life cycle assessment be used in decision making? Uh, so LCA is really useful for decision making. Um, it provides robust data of environmental impacts of a product or a service that can then be incorporated with other metrics um, like cost or customer requirements. So it really helps to give a full picture. Um, it can be used to identify hotspots in a production process or, or anywhere else in the life cycle. And then understanding that that life cycle is quite important because you might find, for instance, that making a change in the manufacturing process to reduce the embodied impacts creates a greater impact in the use phase. So you want to identify those, those trade-offs and shifts in the life cycle. And that helps with decision-making because it's part of the process of design, um, or it should be. And if it isn't, we've got problems because things are going to go wrong. Um, it's also quite useful for scenario analysis. Um, that can be used in, in either design or in continuous improvement after you've already developed an LCA. Um, so a recent example of this, uh, New Zealand Steel have gone through a process to compare waterborne and solvent-borne paint systems using scenario analysis in their LCA model. Uh, they use the LCA results as just one of the factors considered in their decision-making alongside things like technical performance and cost and potential for future innovation. So it was able to have a real impact and, and help them to really develop their understanding of what they were comparing. Um, another example would be for packaging design, uh, where scenario analysis would enable you to understand the environmental impacts of different packaging options. Um, and then consider that again alongside technical performance, cost, wider concerns like customer and stakeholder views and company profile, especially if you're, for instance, comparing single use packaging uh, or plastic um, against another um, option. Um, how life cycle analysis or assessment and life cycle cost studies um, are related together? Yeah, so both 
both LCA and L life cycle cost studies um, cover that full life cycle. Um, LCA looks at environmental impacts and cost looks at economic impacts. So they're very similar. They can be combined. Um, and it's also possible to combine them with a, a social LCA. Uh, there's less data available on that, but um, it's certainly possible. And that just helps to provide, a, again, a more full picture um, support with decision making. How can LCA be used for buildings? And what is the main current challenges to use LCA for buildings? Yeah, so LCA can definitely be applied at a building level. Um, Lendlease actually conducts LCAs for all of their buildings. Um, the way it can be used is to quantify expected impacts of a baseline building, for example, um, and then compare that against perhaps what the eventual actual construction is, um, which helps to show the reductions in impacts achieved through the design and the choice of materials. And obviously LCA would be inherent in making those choices and, and design options. Um, Green Star includes credits for building level LCA and for reductions against a base case. Um, it doesn't necessarily require a full LCA, but certainly the using the concepts of it. Um, and that considers both the embodied impacts in the materials and also for the use stage impacts. Um, I think the, the main challenges for building level LCA are around the availability of data. So because EPDs aren't yet available for all products, um, there's a need to refuse publicly available data or or use proxies um, in some cases, which obviously um, makes the eventual um, results slightly less certain. Sustainability is becoming a recognized structural engineering design criteria, along with strength and serviceability. And LCA will be a crucial tool in measuring the sustainability of buildings. When does this happen? So sustainability covers a whole range of impacts um, from social and economic considerations and environmental, obviously. Um, so it's, I guess it's quite a nebulous concept to include in that way in a building code to just say sustainability is needed. Um, there are, there's voluntary rating tools out there like Green Star, Home Star and the Infrastructure Sustainability Rating Tool. And they all build in requirements for sustainability across a broad range of credits and, and categories um, that also include LCA considerations. So clients can ensure that sustainability is built in by specifying either that a project uses a rating tool or even specifying um, a particular, particular level is achieved in that um, as, as part of the contract. Um, either way, I, even if they don't require a particular level, it will still drive up that industry engagement and understanding, um, which will help the industry as a whole to improve. Um, I'd really love to see the government to mandate ratings, um, you know, particularly for, for government procure projects um, and for large projects with a lot of money in them. Um, and it was it was actually really encouraging recently to hear, I think it was World Environment Day, um, Kayanga Aura announced that they've committed that all new builds will be at least level six Homestar standard. Um, a lot of them were meeting it already, but it's great to hear that they've committed that on paper. Um, and in terms of timing, I, it's really important that sustainability is embedded early in a project's life cycle. 
ideally at, at planning stage or even before um, because as as with so many things the considerations uh, if, it, if it only gets considered later it's often too late um, so it's quite important that sustainability is embedded um, early on and yeah the it needs different granularity at different levels so it might be up front for instance that you were using that screening lca or, a, or an lca quick kind of tool um and that later you did a more detailed analysis um but yeah if, if there's no consideration given at, at planning or design stages it's almost impossible to achieve any gains in the construction so how will sustainability design criteria and um, lca affect buildings and construction industry so we'd like to think that LCA can have a lot of positive impacts um, and at lots of different levels of sustainable design. Um, for building material manufacturers, having an LCA or even an EPD creates a baseline um, and it helps them to communicate with their customers and also to identify improvement potential. So even, you know, an EPD is often seen as an end output, but for a lot of companies, it's only the start of their journey. They're, they're quantifying it and then looking at how they can improve and, um, and reduce their impacts. Um, a recent study for NZGBC identified that embodied impacts in the built environment could be reduced by 42% just by implementation of improvements within building materials. So we've obviously got a way that we can go um, and it's important that we, that we keep following them, but, but using LCA principles to do it. And then, with better data in the form of EPDs, designers can also assess the best materials to use on a on a case by case basis, um, making sure that, uh, well, I guess unlocking even more reductions beyond that forty two percent. What is the role of Life Cycle Association of New Zealand, and what are the benefits of membership? So LCANS's role is to provide a focal point really for life cycle assessment in New Zealand um, and also to promote the use of life cycle thinking among the public and, and business. Um, LCA is obviously a detailed tool but even just using the concepts of it, of it and thinking about what those future impacts might be can have real value. Um, we provide professional recognition as well to practitioners through the LCATP exams um, and we also support our members through networking and knowledge sharing. Um, our members benefit from free uh, or discounted access to events and recognition of their participation in LCA in New Zealand as well. Um, and we also showcase our members' activities. So using case studies um, and presentations at conferences, which obviously helps to keep everyone else up to date. Um, uh, and then also we run a quarterly newsletter just to help keep everyone up to date on national and international trends and developments. So. Plenty of content there. There you go. Please join our conversation with Emily today. If you like to connect more with her, you will find the details in show notes. Remember, together we can do so much more. Hi there, it's Troy again. If you liked what you heard today, then you may be interested to find out more about the draft Alteroa Steel Industry Transformation Agenda and Plan that we've recently released. It aims to provide an industry blueprint for a sustainable future based on Treasury's Living Standards Framework. To find out more, get in contact with me. My details are in the show notes.